Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Before we kick off this week's topic, just a quick reminder that we do have a Discord community where you can interact with Cam and I, talk about our episodes, and also find accountability with our other members. To join, visit the website translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner, and for five bucks a month, you're in. So this week, we're going to build on last week's episode and zoom out even a little farther and talk about identity as ADHD people. Cam, you want to kick us off here? Sure. I want to go back to the Discord and the accountability channel that we introduced. And it's so much fun to see these people, our, our translators, as we're calling them, not pronounced that way, of course. <laughs> <laughs> our translators, excuse me, our translators, just jumping in and feeding off each other and talking about how they're going to do something and getting the support of the community. So that's just a fun little addition. In addition to all these other channels that we have around episodes and above the lunch counter, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun to, to see how people are jumping in and engaging. That's such a big part is to just start and engage, and then the answers come, which often is sort of how we approach coaching. Absolutely. Um, okay. And we'll probably come back to the community later as a relevant part of this discussion too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something I've been thinking a lot about. Shelly and I talk about it a lot, is our own relationship with our own ADHD. This is under this element of, uh, or this, the umbrella of identity. And we just, we are observers. We notice things. And we're also proponents of cause and effect, is that we see something and we're naturally curious about the cause and effect of these situations. And that this is an interesting area is that how you hold your ADHD actually contributes to your lived experience with ADHD. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this as we go forward. And just let me give some examples here in the sense that when we start to, I've been, I've been around a while, right? It's like, I think we, we know this. It's pointed out. Right? You pointed out to me. I know I do. I, 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 I disclose like all the time of like, what's, what a, how close of a boomer I am to being a boomer. But I'm not a boomer. I was born in 1965. Okay. The cutoff is 64. All right. And the other thing is, oh, no, but this is another key part is that my, my ADHD had me develop 10 years later. <laughs> So I'm actually, it's like I'm born in 75, okay? Like I'm 44, people. For, no, 45. I'm not 55. I'm 45. Well, okay. shoot, Cam, by those standards, I'm still in my 20s. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So identity, what are we talking about? What are we talking about here? It's the, the sense of what the ADHD means to you. So if we look at that, attention, deficit, hyperactivity, disorder. And before that, it was attention deficit disorder, ADD, back in the 80s. Brought in that hyperactivity element because, again, it was the behavior that they were seeing. And so they brought it into the, the DSM. And so is that how we sort of see ourselves? Like last week, 
we talked about this. I don't see myself as hyperactive and, and not having enough attention. If anything, I have an overabundance of attention. I have a dynamic attention system. I have a fallible memory. I'm a divergent thinker. That's how I see myself. And so there's large camps that will, again, with the diagnosis and coming up to that lunch counter of these level one symptoms, and oh, this is what's going on, then that's your definition of ADHD, your relationship to it in the sense of this is something that's bad and we have to treat it. And what Shelly and I are saying is how, whatever your relationship is, it's okay, but it's actually on a continuum. And as you learn about your ADHD, as you learn about it, understand it, own and translate, then your relationship is going to change. It has to. When you enter into a relationship with somebody, it changes over time as you learn about them. And this is what happens with ADHD. There's a natural progression. Cam, you and I both agree that a lot of what's out there on ADHD is problematic because it does focus on behavior. It focuses on those level one symptoms and it reduces adults like you and I, like our clients who might be coming in their 30s, 40s, 50s, newly diagnosed, to children with behavioral problems that need to be addressed. And furthermore, the name itself sort of reduces our divergent brains to behavior. And Cam and I agree that this is problematic, okay? We would love to see change here at some point. We are both big fans of the neurodiversity school of thought. But in the meantime, we've been grappling with how do we work within what we have? And for me, I've kind of switched to using identity first language. So instead of saying I'm a person with ADHD, I say I am an ADHD person. Now, if you break down the acronym, it really no longer works. And I recognize that it's not eloquent in the same way that autistic people in the neurodiverse community call themselves autistic people. And that's a lot more eloquent. But the spirit of the thing is there. And that is that my ADHD brain is part of who I am. It's not a disease. It's not a disorder. It's not something to be cut out or fixed. And so even though it's not perfect, and even though I'm super unhappy with how my neurodivergent brain is named, it's kind of the best I can do right now. And so that's where I'm coming from using that type of language when I say ADHD person, ADHD people, ADHD brains, as opposed to saying person with, people with, brains with. Well said. And I think what Shelly and I will suggest to our listeners is be where you are, right? If you're comfortable with, I'm someone with ADHD, well, that's where you are. If you are, again, making that shift to putting it as an identity in the sense of this is who I am. And I appreciate that. When Shelly and I talk about ADHD person, we're not talking about those words. It's like, again, the amalgamation or the constellation of what all that means. The high associative, the creativity, the spontaneity. But along with the positives, there are those challenges. And that's, again, a, a, something that can happen is that when you start to kind of like, well, this is just me and this is who I am, then we 
collide right into with this skill that we talk about, which is distinguishing. So distinguishing, what's the challenge? Where is the challenge? I think that for Shelly and I, and in our work that we do with our clients, by the way, we're not saying that it's like we're throwing out the DSM. The DSM is actually something that's very helpful because it's that lunch counter presentation that people come up and again, they, oh, that's what's going on. It's the sort of the first marker of, wait a second, there is a problem. Because often it's that before that diagnosis or that understanding of what's going on, we get into one of those deep valleys, well below the lunch counter of, I just suck. There's something wrong with me and it's me, my person. So when we get up and and have this presentation of these level one symptoms, they serve a purpose. But as you go on and learn and move forward, we see that there are limitations when you have ADD as this thing that you're trying to eradicate, that you're trying to cut it out or just you know medicate and move forward. Now, there's another thing is we're, we're not anti-medicine. We are pro-multimodal. If you think about like a, a table and we have four legs on that table, it's going to be much more stable with four legs of self-care and medication and supportive people and supportive practices. We talked about essential structures and how those four areas of essential structures are all about us being able to understand this so we can have a day where we have a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. There are certain things that get in the way of that. And they're in this, again, constellation we call ADHD. But as you're moving forward and trying to manage this thing, is allowing yourself to just loosen up or kind of think about your own relationship with this. Are you trying to outrun it? Are you trying to tamp it down? Is it all bad? Because there are these camps out there that will kind of portray this. It's something that you have to tamp down. Or it's a gift that is difficult to unwrap, in the words of Ned Hollowell. So there's varying camps, and wherever you are, that's where you are. But as you're moving forward to kind of think about what is your own natural progression here. Pam, I also see this spectrum or continuum as being the ownership spectrum or continuum. Those who are all the way in the camp of... I need to tamp it out. I need to get rid of it. I need to make it go away. I need to hide it or mask it. That's pretty far from ownership, but that's the place that a lot of my clients come. Now, where it gets interesting is if we get too far to the other side, where either it's a gift, fully, full stop, it's a gift, (laughs) or, well, this is just the way I am and the rest of the world has to deal. That's not real ownership either. So it's almost like a pendulum. Real ownership is in the middle. And you can end up on either extreme, far away from ownership. So recognize that, you know, full gift or full, this is who I am. And you just have to deal with my problems because I have ADHD. So you adjust to me. That's not real ownership either. So if you think of those two things as a pendulum, what we're aiming for with our clients is somewhere closer to the middle. And Even when we get closer to the middle, ownership looks different for each client. Some clients own in a way where they're very vocal and they're very open 
and they're sharing with their broader circle of people in their lives. Some clients step into ownership in a way that's a lot more private. Both are valid and they're dependent on so many factors outside of ADHD, who that client is, what matters to them, what are their roles, and who are the people in their spheres. Yeah, you and I can afford to, to broadcast this and, and kind of shout out about ADD and how lovely it is to have it. We can afford that. It's actually good marketing. Yeah, it's been great for our businesses, actually, to just be out there talking about our ADHD, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We can afford to do that. But if I were not an ADHD coach, I imagine that my relationship with my ADHD would likely be very different. I'm working with people in professional settings where, again, it's kind of like a throwback to the 50s, the environment that they're in of there's really, even these progressive organizations, they say they're progressive, and yet they, they really don't, they want you to kind of show up a certain way. And so you can't just stand up on your desk and shout out, this is who I am. That there has to be some balancing. I really like that. I really love the, the metaphor of the pendulum, because I think that's how it kind of often progresses our relationship with ADD. It's like the grief cycle or the change cycle of you learn about it and there's the shock and there's the kind of excitement about it. And then there's the depression about it. And then you back up again to like, well, there's certain elements that are working for me. And you kind of go back and forth on this. And that's very natural. And where that sort of midpoint is, I love how you tag that with ownership. It's owning owning it and and appreciating it. And then the second part to that is the translating, to translate that in a way so that you can have success. We're, this is not, you know, we can't expect people, everyone with ADHD to stand up and be champions of ADHD. The environments just are, are not, again, everyone has their own lived experience where there are demands, there's opportunities, that they have to kind of negotiate. They have to consider. They have to distinguish, which those are all areas that can be challenging when you have ADHD measured. That's tough to be measured when you've got this challenge around the amplitude dial. Dials way up, emotional response or inhibition, excuse me, disinhibition or way down, apathy, flat, et cetera. So finding that balance is tough, letting it be dynamic, but starting to develop this reflective feedback loop. I'm so appreciating. We seem to be striking a chord with our discussion around cause and effect, that as we point people in this direction of cause and effect, that they're starting to look there and have that appreciation of seeing themselves in the wave pool, seeing themselves at manifestation and not just floundering about and or this is the way it is, but really being curious about what's contributing to this. What are the patterns that are influencing that's making this happen? And I've noticed that, Cam, not just in the show or in the Discord community, but also when I speak on ADHD, whether I'm speaking to ADHD audiences or 
to neurotypical audiences, you know, oftentimes supervisors and people in positions of leadership that might be leading people with ADHD is most of us do not realize when we are newly diagnosed, this was certainly true for me. It's true for most of my clients when they come through my door. We know that we don't do what we ought to do. We know that the causes that the people around us are linking the effects to are incorrect. It's not because we don't care. It's not because we're lazy. It's not because we're stupid. It's the opposite of those things, which makes it even more frustrating because we care so much that we can't believe that we were late again or that we missed another deadline or that we put it off until the last minute again. It's in total conflict with who we are. But what is it? That's the frustrating thing about ADHD is cause is not a simple answer. And that's really the premise of this show is that cause is not a simple answer and you can spend a lifetime doing this work. Cam still does this work and he's been at this 20 years. My wife points out cause opportunities all the time. Uh, Water glasses. Water glasses left on a counter. You think maybe there'd be one or two. No. Why are there four water glasses scattered about the house? Now, I have made progress with my coffee cup. I really try to stay with one coffee cup. But that's an opportunity to kind of, again, come back to what was going on in that moment that had me just completely separate from that water glass to set it down, leave it, forget it, and then go get another one like that first one never existed. So the water glass can be a great example or or metaphor for a task, an obligation, a commitment. We put them down. And we forget about them. I'm really appreciating the language cause opportunities for two reasons. Number one, it's a great way to name any of those moments in our lives. Any of those times where we're like, why am I not doing what I know I ought to do? Why am I not putting the water glass in the dishwasher when I am finished with it? Why am I leaving it out? The second is that's incredibly supportive language from your wife. It's not accusatory, it's not angry, and it's not telling you what the cause is. It's saying, okay, Cam, this is a behavior I see. This is a cause opportunity. And that's awesome. I really like that. Oh, did I say she said that? (laughs) 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 No, no, no. That's my internal, uh, that's my internal translation that occurs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Another effing cause opportunity, Cam. (laughs) You know, this is the thing that I I think a place to finish up on today is with ADHD, it's these opportunities keep coming back around and presenting these, you know, another learning opportunity. Someone, one of my uh, web people, one of my web people, I I act like, you know, there's a lot of web people. My web person. I got people, guys. I got people. (laughs) My web person, my one web person was like, yeah, your stuff's evergreen. I was like, what do you mean by that? It's like, uh, like my content, my blog, this is before the podcast. It's like, it's evergreen. It's, it's always relevant. And that resonated with me. It sort of gave me pause to say, okay, I don't have to be churning out stuff all the time. Number one. Number two is with ADHD, it's, I'm going to tell you people, here's the, you know, if you want to hack, I've been seeing all this stuff about hacks and like strategies with ADHD. It's like, it's, 
you build yourself a box. And in that box, you're putting things like best practices, best roles, your values. What's the name of the game? Who are great supports? And so the objective is to keep going back to that box and opening it up and looking in what's in there and using the stuff in there, throwing out the stuff that's not working for you and adding stuff. That's the name of the game in the simplest terms. The problem though, with the way that our brains work is we build this beautiful box and then we forget where we put it or we don't remember we have it. And so there's two ways that this evergreen process can occur. One is it's good, it's relevant, and it's good to keep looking at it, engaging with it, going through the process of understanding, owning, translating, this progression that goes forward. The other way that evergreen can occur is you kind of, you trip over this box and like, oh, what's this? It's a box. Oh, look. And you open it kind of like Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day, where he wakes up every single day, not remembering the day before. I've always said that ADHD is a learning challenge because we're not linking key learning. And so back to your, your relationship with your ADHD is that see where it is now and where it can go. What is measurement of success here? What is a successful outcome moving forward? How can we tweak that so that it can come to a balance point with that pendulum? What is it you can own? What is it you want to kind of maybe throw out or reconsider? What's not working for you? How can we get people around you to support you and your own relationship with your ADD? So it's not this constant fight or friction point. I love what you said earlier, Shelly, about what people will do is they will, I'm just, it's going to be a quote we're going to put right into our social media is that others will link false cause to the manifestation. It's like the reason why you're not showing up on time is because you don't care. And, And it's so far from the actual truth. So building your box, these podcasts, each one of these episodes is something you can put in your box, but attend to that box, keep opening it, engaging with it. What are those best practices that you're building? What is it that is good about your relationship with your ADD? What's the opportunity for positive change? And this is where community comes into. And I will start off by saying we are not the only amazing ADHD community out there because we're not. There are several, but there are also some that fall very far to one side of that pendulum or the other and can be toxic in that way. So wherever you find your people, whether it's with us in our Discord community or somewhere else, be looking for a place that allows you to examine your own lived experience and be where you are with curiosity rather than a place that encourages heavy complaining and becomes that sort of snowball or a place that says only positivity is allowed here. So you're not allowed to talk about the struggle. We only want to hear the good stuff. Right. And, and this group think, yeah. right? Falling into communities where there's a kind of only one way or sort of a quote unquote correct way to be with your ADHD, to show up. So it's the celebration of the, of the individual and 
a recognition or validation of the individual's lived experience with their ADHD. Absolutely. And within a broader community, it can be powerful to have other people share parallel experiences to know that you're not alone. That is certainly not only valid. It's something Cam and I do in coaching all the time. And there's a word for it. It's called normalizing in coaching. So that's not only okay, that can be really powerful when you're feeling out there on your own. It's what you want to avoid is you want to avoid being told to think a certain way or being given advice. Because if advice works, you wouldn't need us people because the top 10 articles, these 10 tips, these seven things, these five tricks would have solved your ADHD and this podcast would have no reason for existing. Growly, growly, growly. You're just, I mean, here we are at the end, Shelly, and you're just getting me all riled up. Because mm, we both hate tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that is that assumption of, I know your dilemma and I can fix your dilemma. And that is, dare I say, there's ego there. There's an assumption there and it's false. And it really doesn't validate the individual's own experience. And so this, again, it's not simple. There is no singular hack or singular strategy. We've got to get into and appreciate and understand what is your experience and then tether it to the real causation. And as you said, I love where we're ending up here with around finding communities of support, people that can understand and appreciate your experience. The ADHD community on Twitter, I think, is a really wonderful place to begin. Because it's what is there more than anything is acceptance. So I'll give you two hashtags, listeners, to find those communities. The first is Team ADHD. The second is Neurodiverse Squad, which includes not just us ADHD people, but autistic people and other neurodivergence as well. So that's a great place for this bigger conversation on neurodiversity. And I have learned a lot especially working with clients who have both diagnoses or have have several diagnoses. I've learned so much by following that conversation as well. So those two hashtags will get you close. Following Cam, I, and the show on Twitter will get you there as well. We are at Translating ADHD. And from that Twitter, you can find Cam and I as well. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. 